Welcome to the DLR Library Podcast, Need to Read. Recommended reads from those in the know. Today I am talking to Ruth Ennis. Ruth is one of three founders of the literary journal Paper Lanterns, which is an online platform to promote the voices of young people in Ireland and across the world. And they make content for teen and young adult audience um, and includes creative writing, essays and book reviews. Ruth um, herself has a BA in English and drama with UCD and an MPhil in Children's Lit from Trinity College. Um, she's written for various publications, um, such as Sander Magazine, the Dubai Blog, Dublin Book Festival, um, and she's also a, uh, selected for Words Ireland Mentorship Programme with Kildare, Kildare County Council, where she was working on a teen verse novel, which is um, some of what we'll be talking about today. And she recently got some good news. She was awarded funding um, from the Arts Council Literature Bursary. So congratulations and thank you for joining me, Ruth, today. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, You're very welcome. Maybe you tell me a little bit about Paper Lanterns and how that came about and just what what, what you guys do there. For sure. Yeah. Um, so I suppose it kind of started with Grace. Um, Grace, we all met in college. We all did the um, children's district course in Trinity together. And during the course, um, Grace was in one of our modules and she got thinking about how there's so many really wonderful literary journals in Ireland. Most of them are catered for adults, which is great. Um, there are also a few that are catered towards children, um, magazines like The Caterpillar and stuff like that. But she noticed that there wasn't really anything for specifically teen readers. Um, you know, they kind of fall, <laughs> as, as is with most of their life at that stage in their life, they fall in that in-between space. And so there wasn't something in a physical form that um, was a literary journal catered for and by them. She brought the idea with me and I loved it. I really wanted to get involved. And then we brought Amy on as well. And she was really eager to get going with it too. And then she, uh, you know, we started talking through what kind of journal we wanted to do, what we wanted to make. Um, whether or not it would go online, whether or not it would be in print. Um, we wanted to talk about what content we'd publish. Um, and we decided that we wanted to do something that was both for and by teens. So that meant that we wanted to not only publish um, writing by adults over the age of 18 who were writing for a teenage audience, we also wanted to publish teenagers' works themselves. So yeah, it's a physical journal and um, it's around 60 pages long for every issue. Um, we are in the process of making our third issue, but by the time this podcast, podcast comes out, it will be released, our third issue for the year. So you can get it in a number of different bookshops, uh, Dubray Books, Woodbine Bookshop, Tertullia's, Halfway Up the Stairs, and uh, a few more that I'm forgetting to mention, but they're all also on our website. Um, at www.paperlanternslit.com so that's where you can get all three issues you can go to your local bookshop they can order it in that kind of thing so it's available anywhere online basically great so yeah and it's what you're saying it's um for but also by so you have people sending their work into you as well yeah exactly so we are publishing four issues every year um, so we we start off by opening uh, submissions to both adults and to teenagers. Um, there are two kind of submission categories. Um, one is for the creative writing section. So that involves poetry, flash fiction, short stories. 
um, as well as artwork because we love including art in the journal and just our designers have been amazing incorporating the beautiful artwork that we've had come in with the text and it just it flows really well in the journal. Um, so that's the kind of creative writing section slash artistic section. We also have a feature section um, and that's, uh, so Grace looks after the, art, the creative writing and I look after the uh, feature section. So that's more nonfiction, it's uh, creative nonfiction, it's essays, it's um, kind of interviews, all that kind of stuff. We would do our featured interview every issue. We've had Sarah Crossan, Helen Corcoran and Deirdre Sullivan in the last three issues. And then Amy looks after the book review section. So what we do is that we work with a bunch of really excellent publishers who are eager to get books into the hands of reviewers and we kind of facilitate that. Amy sends out the books to our trusted team of reviewers and uh, kind of catering to their interests and what they would like to read. And then they review the book, they send it back to us and we include the reviews in the, uh, in the journal at the end. The, the journal itself is quite heavily inspired by the uh, Children's Books Ireland Initial magazine in that it's kind of features and then creative uh, features and then reviews, but we also have our creative writing in there too. Great. Sounds like a really good resource. Obviously in the library, I get asked a lot um, when we were open, like what, like recommendations for different sort of genres and age groups and um I find the teen one, teen and children's quite hard, especially teens because um, they are growing so much and, and their sort of comprehension levels would, would be very different from like, you know, early teens to late teens and not necessarily comprehension levels, but what they're dealing with, or, you know, where they are in life. Um, so we do have some things that we fall back on. So the CBI or the English guide would be something we'd use as well. Yeah. Um, but how do you... Um, or how would you, how, how, everyone probably has their own way, but how, how would you kind of differentiate in, in young adults? Like, would you sort of go by like, for instance, like protagonist, is the protagonist meant to be the age of the person that's reading it? Or do you have any kind of tips for that? Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head in that there's no hard and fast rule when it comes to um, the teenage experience, I suppose, because like you say, it's such a it's a time of such drastic change in your life and everybody changes at different rates. Um, it was always a like as a as a ex as an ex-bookseller, it was always really tricky to try and figure out do you put it into the younger teen or the older teen category. And you can't always gauge it because you know one teenager might have more experience in a particular field but less experience in another and it might be vice versa for a different teenager mm -hmm. so for the journal itself the only requirement that we have is that it is of interest to a teenage audience um, and that's really important to us that we don't um, have stories that wouldn't be of any interest to anyone within that age bracket but if there's something that we think would be worth latching onto if there's a, a phrase or if there's a particular feel to a poem or a flash, fic flash fiction piece we will kind of put ourselves into the mind of a teenager at any age um, and just kind of say is this something that we would have liked to read at that age is it something that we would have liked to explore um, you know in terms of how to phrase this <laughs> I suppose in terms of making uh, appropriate content, we are always really careful of who our readership is. So we don't really, um, we're, we're really careful to make sure that um, the type of work that we publish 
it's something that we can be proud to say we want young readers to read that, if that makes sense. Um, It's it's a really tricky thing to navigate. And we've been really lucky with the submission so far in that we have had so many really quality um, submissions that are hitting the right tone and they're not, um, you know, they're not compromising the integrity of the experience of the adolescent, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so it makes it, it's, it's a good space for us to be able to um, present that to a young adult reader in a space that they can navigate themselves. So, you know, there's different themes and different um, topics that, you know, if somebody, a teenage reader reads the journal and really resonates with one thing or doesn't really resonate with it, they can just move on to the next article or the next short story and still find something in there for them that they will really, really connect with. Yeah, I guess I'm looking for issues, you know, they're looking for a good story or a good writing and something that really captures them. Yeah. Like the, the the issue stuff can be reductive, but it like it can be helpful if you're someone like an adult looking for something for a younger person. But um Yeah. It's great in that we are able to get a really broad variety of genres in there as well, because yeah. you'd have a love story right next to a ghost story, that kind of thing. So it's really it's a great way if you know, even if you have a teenager in your life who isn't necessarily like the biggest bookworm in the world, it's great because it's a way for them to explore a different styles of writing different genres that they may not have really been exposed to before and if they liked you know if you like this ghost story we have a book review for another ghost story a full book that you really like at the back that kind of thing yeah and that's great and that kind of leads me to what you're going to talk about because you chose to talk about verse novels today and yes. when you chose that I was like oh yeah I know verse novels but then I, I kind of realized maybe I actually don't so I, <laughs> I thought I knew that what they were like but um managed to get a couple of the ones that you're you're going to talk about today and 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 but maybe you'd explain what a verse novel is because I think I think I was thinking standalone poetry or something but they really are they're a thing of their own yeah Yeah. I'm sure you'll explain it better than me well I don't (laughs) I feel like I had a pitch learned off from the time that I would like try to introduce uh, verse novels to people and I don't know if it's like perfect but I think it works out well yeah. um so how I would describe a verse novel is that um first of all comparing it to what would be a typical novel and they use that in air quotes in a normal typical book you would have um you know paragraphs and dialogue and all that kind of thing and it's like a block of text And in that particular, in those kind of books, you would have a beginning, middle and end. And with verse novels, you still have that beginning, middle and end of a story. You know, there's something that happens at the beginning that has consequences and it results in the big dramatic ending. That still happens in verse novels. However, rather than written, then it being written in big, long paragraphs and dialogue, well, there is still dialogue. It's written in verse, which is a series of poems. Um, So every kind of scene or every image or every shot, if you were to kind of use cinematic language, would be a poem. So there's really, it's a brilliant way um, for both, it's it's got this incredible ability to be of interest to readers who are, you know, big bookworms and people who read all their lives, all day, every day, as well as people who maybe don't have as much uh, you know, who wouldn't be as engaged with literature in that way. Um, and the reason for that is, is that reading verse novels 
is really accessible. You can take something at face level and you can read, you know, a, a poem that is telling a scene and it's telling you about an image that's in the context of this greater narrative. And you can take it at face value and you can enjoy it and you can appreciate it and move on really quickly to the next stage in the story. But the thing about verse novels is that you can go back to it if you wish and find hidden deeper meanings over and over again. And it's one of those things where, you know, you'd fly through the book the first time you read it, which is, you know, a great sense of achievement and accomplishment and strong in maybe weaker readers. But there's also that kind of reusability that you can reread it over and over again and you'll find different interpretations in every single page that you would never have found through reading it the first time. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess it gives them kind of a such a poetic license as well. They don't have to um, have all the little in-between sort of segues and stuff. They can really be selective with what they choose, what sort of points they choose to share. Uh, um, and these two ones that I read anyway. You, do you want to start with one? I don't know which one you want to start with. Shall we start with one? Yeah, yeah. Great. That's good. <laughs> um, so one written by Sarah Crossan. She was the Laureate Nanog, um, which is the Children's Laureate in Ireland. Uh, for the past two years and she just finished up her laureateship in May just gone in 2020 and she wrote one and it's the winner uh, it was the winner of the Carnegie Medal Award so one is I think my favorite book of all time Um, (laughs) and it was a tough call to come to that Um, it's about these two girls Grace and Tippy and Grace and Tippy are conjoined twins they are literally literally joined at the hip and they are you know move they make a big transition in their lives where they are no longer being homeschooled but they are required to go to public school and um, due to financial issues within the family and along with that transition from uh, being homeschooled to going to um, a normal school there is a big um, adjustment for them physically but also internally there's a lot of complicated emotions when you know they want very different things they're two you know very different girls and they love each other and they support each other and they make a lot of sacrifices for each other but ultimately they're two very different people and the great thing about the verse novel aspect of this book is that the uh layout is a big thing in verse novels um so the way that the words are laid out on the page it's not just you know all the text on the one side and it's not just your big long stanzas that you would have learned off in secondary school um there's a flow to it on the page and where a word is isolated it shows um it's it's it, it has meaning behind the placement of the words so when a singular word is isolated you know that that word is on its own for a reason there's emphasis to that word and it makes you think twice about it and so when uh, I won't spoil it, but there is a dramatic change in how the uh, layout of this particular book is. Uh, it changes at a very pivotal point in the plot uh, to reflect that change in the girls' lives. And it's just such a brilliant use of the verse novel, using the space to articulate change in their lives and, and to... Um, say things that are beyond words. You know, a big thing that we were talking about when we interviewed Sarah Crossan for Paper Lanterns is that um, there is as much to say 
on the with the words on the page as there is in the space between those words and what is not told and what is not included and what is implied has as much of a story to it as what would be on the page it's kind of like an experience as well isn't it you're you're kind of there's different ways to kind of think about the text um I don't know if you have a favorite part you want to yeah I do I think late Um, and I have this because this was a book that we studied while we were doing our master's together in in the children's mm-hmm. literature course. And I still have that page saved from when I was doing the course and it's stuck with me for the last two years. It's just so beautiful. Um, it's called Dreaming. Of him dreaming of us bent together, chest to chest, hearts one. But where is Tippy gone? I cannot see her when I search, nor can I hear her when I call out. He says, you've got me. When I wake up, screaming, sweating, crying, I know that he is not enough. It's just so gorgeous. (laughs) I love it because it has that sense of, so Grace is our narrator in in this book and Tippy is the twin. Grace is all tell to be great. Grace, isn't it? Yeah, it's all told from Grace's perspective. Yeah. And while we do get to know Tippy very intimately, um, you know, they're two very different personalities. Tippy tends to be more um extroverted, Grace is a little bit more introverted. Um, there are really small intricacies um that the two girls know and understand of each other. So when you know Tippy flinches in a certain way or kind of tenses up in a certain way grace inherently understands that because they're bound together they have a life they share a life together and I think the verse novel adds to that because there's a kind of an intimacy um and you know that experience like you said uh really puts you into um grace's head where you don't need to articulate an emotion if that makes sense mm-hmm. um like I don't know if you when you think you don't always think in clear um yeah. full sentences you think in emotions or fragments yeah. and the verse novel utilizes that sense of fragmentation to articulate things that are beyond words yeah. so beautifully yeah it's lovely I was thinking of almost like Charlie Kaufman film or something though it's kind of yeah it's it's really it's really beautiful um and I kind of wanted to read it in one sitting but I was just too busy this week to read it in one sitting but, yeah uh, yeah I think this is the first book I ever read in one go I think it was a Saturday afternoon and like it's a very sad book it is a very sad yeah. book yeah. and I just remember not being able to uh straight away uh, compute <laughs> the roller coaster of emotions that you have when you do it in one sitting. So yeah. I'd say it's a very different experience to reading it in one go as opposed to reading it in a few bits. Yeah, because she, I mean, she does write dark novels, doesn't she? Um, yeah. Moon, was it Moonrise? And Moonrise, uh, yeah. It's she's got this great ability of um, kind of approaching really, really highly emotive. Uh, circumstances in people's lives lives but handling them in a way that is so graceful and just so um never detached but very much watchful of how things are phrased how things are said and I think that's a really hard thing to do 
Yeah, that's and she's Irish. Yeah, she's really popular. Um, she's great. I'm a big fan. Yeah, what one would you like to talk about next? Um, well, I have Run Rebel here. Um, it's by Manjeet Mann. It's a really brilliant book. I think I it's a debut novel. And I remember when I was reading this that I was just like, how is this a debut? It feels like this... This woman has been writing for years and it's been a story that has been like sitting around for years, just waiting to be told. It's really, really fantastic. So, so the book is about a girl called Amber and Amber has, um, she experiences um, a very difficult life at home. Um, there's a lot of uh, abuse of power at home and there's a lot of, um, I suppose, um, conservatism in or conservativeness in the uh, family home and she finds uh, release from those stresses at home through running running is her thing it's what she does to um, get out of her head it is what makes her feel powerful in herself and it's a really beautiful book because it explores themes that you wouldn't I, I, I wouldn't always expect in a debut novel. I don't know what about, it was just one of those books where you, um, she handles the theme of bullying really, really well. Um, there is a girl that Amber um, does not like in school and she is quite um, aggressive towards this girl in that she uh, really is argumentative with her without prompt. And um, Amber is really, um, she villainizes this other girl that she doesn't really know very well. And she is uh, hell bent on disliking because of an incident that we don't really hear about for a good bit in the, in, until towards the end of the novel. And I think what she has done with this um, relationship that she has um, between these two girls is really, really brilliant because it it completely warps your perspective on how we see Amber as a narrator. Um, you know, we, we feel sorry for Amber, but at times we also feel angry with her and feel disappointed in her. But again, it goes back to you feel pity for her because she has so much hardship in her life and she's just trying to gain some sort of sense of control in that life. Um, and it's just it's it's really interesting to see how um, having a pro- problematic teenage protagonist is a really, really hard thing to do. And this book does it better than any other book I've ever read. I don't think I've seen a complex character that you are rooting for the entire way through the novel, but you're not you're not um, putting her on a pedestal. And I think that she just does a really brilliant job of that. The verse novel aspect of it is really great because it's a really fun thing to play around with the text in verse novels. What she does a lot is that she hides hidden messages in it. And so you read the poem and you realise there's certain words that are blacked out and they have, um, you know, when you put them all together, they have a secret meaning behind you know Amber's telling us this narrative but the black words and the black letters show us that she really feels this instead she kind of hints at the idea of Amber's 
lack of reliability as a narrator from the beginning and it's only when you go back and you realize oh she's not entirely telling the truth here or she's not portraying things in a completely fair light in this in this instant mm-hmm. and it's little hints that she drops along the way and yeah. for a big reveal at the end when you realize oh maybe we need to question Amber a little bit more. Do you go back and read those parts or is it kind of as you're going you realize there's sort of hidden messages? Um, I haven't reread any of these books um, yet. And the reason for that is, is that yeah. I want to leave them for a year before I go back to them. Uh, one is coming up on her anniversary soon, so I will be reading that soon. Yeah. Um, but the thing is that you will remember those little moments of like, oh, that was a bit weird. Why was that phrase a certain way in page 10? Mm-hmm. And then you realize as you're reading along that's something there there's a lot of echoing uh thematic echoing throughout the book where something props up the theme of running in particular um and then you realize that when it comes up it reminds you of an instance where that theme was used previously and then you make the connection that that's why something was phrased a bit differently or why it was a bit off-putting is because yeah there's yeah, a, yeah. a suggestion that will later be revealed yeah that sounds really interesting I think I can imagine like it must be fun to write about the running in that way as well like with this, yeah. so much to probably do it rather than there and yeah really yeah hugely there's character yeah no you really hit the nail on the head there I think rhythm is a big thing with um with Run Rebel as well as there's a there's a music book that I didn't prepare today because it wasn't a teen novel um in the key of code um and it's about uh, a girl who isn't uh not able to read or understand music in the way that her parents who are musicians do but she loves coding and so there's a big sense of playing with rhythm in computers playing with rhythm in music uh, that it's done through the verse novel as well and that you know it complements that idea of um having a beat to a book that you wouldn't necessarily be able to articulate as clearly in uh prose I think mm-hmm. so rhythm is a big part of it okay and um, you don't have to but do you want do you want to read something from that book or any future thing I had a page picked out and um, I won't read the whole thing because it is a bit long but um Amber has a sister called Ruby and um, I wish I could show you, but in this uh, particular poem, it's called Two Sides to Every Story. And the way that this is laid out is that there are two columns on the page. So on the left-hand side, you have uh, Amber's story, or sorry, Ruby's story. And then on the right-hand side, you have Amber's. And it plays as a duologue, so you're hearing both of their stories at the same time. And you're, you're, there's no right way to read it. You can read Amber's in full or you can read Ruby's in full or you can hop between. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read the first line of Ruby, the first line of Amber, the first line of Ruby, the first line, the second line of Ruby and then second line of Amber. Mm-hmm. When I was told to get married, it felt like you gave up. I fought. It had been so hard on my own. Believe me, I fought. I can't stop the fights. You weren't always there. No one is here. You didn't see it all. I don't see it now. You ha- I had to think what was best for you. I tried talking to you. I had to protect myself. I wanted to protect you. I distanced myself. I've been so lonely because I needed to survive. I've missed you so much. I've been in survival mode. I couldn't understand ever since what I had done wrong. Yes, I get angry. Yes, I get angry because I don't know how to cope because it's easier to cope with the pain. 
I thought you hated me. I thought you hated me. What? What? It's really... It's like therapy or something. I love it. <laughs> uh, it's just, it's great because you, um, you know, you, you can easily read them in the two columns and just hear Amber's side of the story and then hear Kirby side of the story. And it's just so brilliant to be able to play around with how you read it. Um, some phrases link up better with others. Some There's still that sense of like discord between them still. And that's articulate, that's, you know, shown in the, um, the way that not every line matches up and not everything is a call and response. So that relationship still needs to build and fix uh, itself and they need to work on the way that they communicate but the attempt is there and it's just it's just great I love it choose your own ending you know, choose your own middle <laughs> choose your yeah, own yeah yeah it really is the yeah. thing about verse novels is that they say that every poem should be able to stand on its own so if you picked out a random poem in any of these books you should be able to experience something without understanding the context of the greater scheme and um that idea of like getting an insight to something so short but sweet you learn so much from that line you already know what their relationship is like from one poem Mm -hmm. and I just think it's such a great thing to be able to explore in every poem so there's a there's a fully formed kind of emotion or idea there and I saw that the guardian well, back in May, they had that in one of the best books of, of the year so far. You know, they do this. Really? That was that was in the teen section in, in May. Oh, delighted for her. She's very, very nice, very friendly <laughs> on Twitter. She's been. Oh, lovely. Um, and then you have a, the third one. So maybe the Black Flamingo, which I have here as well. So uh, the Black Flamingo is basically um, the biography of a fictional character named Michael. And it starts as, uh, the story starts from when he is a small baby and his home environment all the way up until uh, his experiences in college. And it's very much based in identity, discovering who you are, discovering, uh, you know, what your values are, who you uh, want to surround yourself with. Um, It's written by Dean Atta and... um, Dinata is a, a drag queen and the story is about Michael ultimately uh, exploring his identity through drag. Um, the thing about the Black Flamingo is just, <laughs> it's such a gift book. It's so beautiful to hold mm-hmm. and to experience. Um, I always say to anyone, if you're going to get the book, do, obviously, but I really recommend getting the hardback and I'm not a big hardback person. But this particular one is just such a it's such a beautiful thing to hold. Um, what they do is that a lot of the um, poems are on blacked out pages, um, and the text is white rather than white pages, black text. And in those instances, they're uh, kind of there to emphasise moments of real clarity as to who he is and what he uh, what he wants, kind of. Uh, understanding who he is in that particular moment of his life and who he wants to be um, those moments of real clarity are offered through those blacked out pages and um, the artwork in it is just stunning and not all verse novels have artwork in them but I think that when they decide to include artwork um, you know just very sometimes they're very simple illustrations sometimes they're a matter of just how the ty- typography is laid out with the design 
they're done very intentionally and they're done to not just make it look pretty, but to really um, visualize the themes that are being expressed through the um, that particular poem. Mm-hmm. It's really great. I really, really enjoyed this book. And it's just one of those that, you know, I think should, I feel like this one would be great for kind of schools to read because there is so much um, to discuss in how you identify yourself within broader cultural and social circumstances and um, environments and that way that navigating your life from leaving who you were as a child behind to leaving who you were as a teenager behind and constantly changing and adapting um, is such a, an important thing that I need I think that needs to be really properly acknowledged in schools that isn't always done but it's, it's a really beautiful book really really enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I, I haven't finished it yet, but I, I think it's lovely and you explained it really well about how the, the imagery and how it's laid out, like it, it is, it's really interesting. It's different, even the different fonts they use and different pages and some of them look like they're typed and they're kind of yeah. smudged and stuff. Um, yeah. So I think that just even for appreciating the artwork, so I have the name of the person here, and and Shika Coulard, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, Um and the cover is lovely he's wearing this sort of plume of black feathers and I love the part where he kind of chooses that name for himself as well it's really nice yeah yeah it's a great um transformative novel I think it it does a great job of um expressing things that are often so very overwhelming and so very difficult to um explain and it, it he does some really he does those kind of moments of lack of acceptance for who you are and uh, there's a lot of that in, in the book and he does that really really well in that they're often in those moments not that on you know on the surface level the poems aren't about him uh, about Michael and in those moments he redirects his attention to an examination of somebody who he cares for or um you know looking at um Michael as a black boy um, is depicted and perceived in a broader society. And I just think that he, the way that he redirects the attention while still maintaining that sense of self in uh, all of the, in every single poem is a really uh, challenging thing to do. It's quite a personal thing. Um, And like, this obviously isn't an autobiography or anything like that, but I did hear he said once that um, some of these poems are poems that he wrote during his life. And you can tell that there are moments where this is coming from a place of hurt and this is coming from a place of great pain. And also times of great pride and great um, acceptance and those kind of poems you can tell when they are because they feel so in the moment it feels like you are you are Michael it feels like you are experiencing everything that he has experienced in his entire life and just in one poem and I think you like you said on the the way that the fonts change and how the layout is sometimes it's printed on a page to make it look like it's been ripped out of a notepad and it really feels like this is the life of Michael just being shoved into a really gorgeous hard spine, <laughs> you know, just different parts of his life put into the one book. Uh, I wonder, like, is are they are the writers 
this is, obviously this is different for every writer of verse um, novels but are they poets first or and I think I read that he is a um he did sort of um spoken word yeah word. I don't know yeah yeah like it would you call them poets or writers or I guess they... uh, yeah I suppose it's a good question um I suppose it's different. I don't want to uh, speak on their behalf or anything, but I, I know that Dean does kind of identify himself as, um, like you said, a spoken word poet. Um, and I think that in, in in examples of times that I've read interviews or conducted interviews, like with Sarah or with other, or with Manjeet, they tend to describe themselves, all, like they alternate between writer and poet, from what I can tell. Mm-hmm. Um, but I suppose poet first because you know um, you can't I don't want to speak for all verse novelists um, I'd imagine they would call themselves poets first I know personally I didn't call myself a poet before starting to proper like to take a proper go at writing a verse novel and the reason for that is is that because um, I think there's a sense of um, other othering when somebody identifies themselves as a poet as opposed to a writer, if that makes sense. Um, the big thing with Sarah Crossan's uh, Laureate Nanog initiative was the hashtag We Are the Poets program, which was basically to get to uh, encourage a love of poetry for teenagers um, in Ireland. And it was really su- successful um, for a lot of people, including myself. Uh, in that you, I think the the term identifying as a poet comes with some connotations that sometimes start in how poetry is taught in schools. And, um, you know, it, it does feel like sometimes that it's a type of writing that's only suited for, uh, you know, old white men. And that's not true at all. Calling yourself a philosopher or, like you, or a poet, like you, you imagine someone lying yeah. in it's like um, trying to describe there's, there's a sense of notions yeah. around it you know yeah. and it's just so not true poetry I think is find it hard enough to call themselves writers and yeah. <laughs> poets as well yeah like you wouldn't call your favorite musician a poet but they are they are a poet they write words that have a particular rhythm and rhyme to them and they are a poet but you call them musicians and there's that sense of like how you identify how you perceive a poet and how you identify a poet, I think is uh, two very different things. Yeah. And I don't know how you present yourself as a poet and how you perceive yourself as a poet are two very different things. That was it, I think. Yeah. And I think you explained it really well. So if I could, if anyone asked me to recommend verse, verse prose now, I'll be like, well, wow. <laughs> Oh, great. I'm so glad. Um, you know, there's their, their own separate thing. Tell me a little bit about what you're writing at the moment. So you've got the, um, the artist, the arts council bursary, which is amazing. So that's giving, it's allowing you to write your own book. Yeah. It's How's super that? bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, I, this particular book, um, it's about a girl who is uh, experiencing a huge amount of grief in her life. She's lost family members through tragedy and she has, she's moved to live with her aunt and her cousins. And um, it is magical realism uh, because she enters um, a family photo album and has to travel her way through the different worlds. Um in each photo and ultimately she realizes she's going to have to confront her 
memories of her immediate family um, and experience, like to face her grief head on. Um, and this book did start as a prose, um, as a prose novel. It started out when I was doing the uh, MPhil in Children's Literature in Trinity. And we did a creative writing module and uh, there was a prompt. I responded to the prompt and I wrote a couple of chapters and gave that as my um, assignment for that module and then put it away, didn't think about it for the rest of the summer. And I don't know, I just came back to it and I was looking at it and I was like, I want to keep going with this. I want to keep writing it. But I wasn't feeling right with it. It didn't... It didn't feel natural to me, I don't think. Um, and then I was selected for the um, Words Ireland Mentorship Program. And they paired me up with Sarah Maria Griffin. And Sarah has um, primarily her texts would be in prose. Um, her two teen novels are in prose. But she has a uh, background in, um, Sarah has a background in spoken word poetry as well. So when they paired me up with her, it was kind of like a match made in heaven. She knew exactly how to help me move from writing in prose to poetry uh, into verse. And I was really nervous about it because I was like, I'm not a poet. I'm not like, I don't, I write poems every once in a while, but they're not any good. And, you know, I just need to stick to the regular old prose writing and all that kind of thing. But she was like, try both, try write uh, the first couple of chapters as a first novel and as a prose novel and see what feels right. And you can send them to me. And she said, you know, I'll have a look at them. And I was like, great. And so I sent them off to her and I knew the second I pressed the email saying sent, I was like, it's the first novel. I feel like this is the first novel. It's the way to go. And it was, there was a lot of like me kind of waiting for her to say, you know, go and write a verse novel. You're not, not a poet. You know, you are a poet if you say that you're a poet. So go and write in that way and you know it's still very early days I know exactly how the book is going to be written I know um what direction it's going to take um but a big thing with writing it is time um mm -hmm. <laughs> you know when you're working a nine-to-five job you do need to make time to write and that's when the arts bursary came in they the point of that bursary is to buy you time to write your book and so I applied for it thinking there's no way I'll ever get it and um, I was very, very lucky to have had support from Sarah and a few other people who kind of helped me get the references I needed and was given the bursary. And so that's going to allow me to go and take some time if I need it and to write, yeah. write the book. It sounds like you're on the right track. Thank um, you. Well, thank you. Thank you very much for talking to me today. Um, they're, they're all lovely choices and um, really enjoyed that. Thank you so much. It was really brilliant to be on and it's such a such a nice thing to be able to chat about books. I feel like it's been so long since I've been able to with somebody. Yeah, yeah that was really great. Thank you so it's much. great. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. This has been a DLR Library podcast. If you'd like some more young adult recommendations from Ruth, then keep listening for our need to read extra bits. Thank you. So are there any other uh, young adult books that you absolutely love that outside of, of verse prose that you would sort of recommend people like definitely? Go? Queen of Corn and Whispers by Helen Corcoran was really good. I'm not a fantasy fan at all, 
but her book makes me want to read more fantasy and that is a hard thing to do um, it's a brilliant book um, about two two women two young women um, Leah is queen and Zanya is um, her spy master and they fall in love and it's so you know clever and well written and like the LGBTQIA representation is so seamless and um, you know it's a world where like you know those kind of relationships are just the norm and it's such a <laughs> it's so weird to think that it's a foreign concept but it's just so fantastically written and clever and I just really really enjoyed it mm-hmm. um the last paper crane by Carrie Drury is um historical fiction for teens and um, there is a little bit of verse in it but it alternates between verse and prose um about the the bombs in Japan at the end of the second world war and just the after effects that they had and it's so so heartbreaking but so brilliantly written really really enjoyed that and the falling in love montage by Kira Smith I love that so much it's two girls falling in love one of them is like we're just doing it for the summer and you know it's all very we're going to do all the cliche things that they do in films when they fall in love in the montages but feelings happen and they start to feel things properly for each other and it's very very funny really great summer read and The Quiet at the End of the World I think might be my favorite book this year um it's science fiction but like light science fiction dystopian where the teenagers who are the protagonists are the youngest people in the world because there has been this disease that stops people from procreating um so they're the youngest people left on the planet and there is the biggest twist that you'll ever read in any book ever and it's amazing and I cannot believe I didn't see it coming but it's so clever it's just great really really good book is there like well, I guess there, there obviously is such a thing but non-fiction teen genre would you have anything to suggest or yeah, I suppose um, nonfiction for teens is a little bit harder to source. Um, you know, like it obviously does exist, but there's not a huge amount of it there. Um, Juno Dawson does great collections of um, LGBTQIA plus representation. Uh, LGBT, sorry. Juno Dawson does um, a couple of anthologies about LGBTQIA um topics so it's um essays cure, uh, collected by a series of well-known writers so um Moira Fowley is one of the writers who is in the anthology so she does and it's just it's great to kind of have a resource like that and um, where stories of real life people are told to a teenage reader and there's no nonsense about them you know they're great in that they um are very upfront about what could otherwise be seen as a taboo topic for a lot of people particularly in Ireland I think um so that just kind of having those anthologies are a great resource for for teenagers who are exploring their identity in their young adult lives 